Welcome, everybody, to the You Might Be Right podcast with myself, Kevin Lapka, my co-host, Chris Nano. This is a brand new podcast with us two. We're together on Bears Nation podcast, and we love talking sports with each other. It goes beyond football. It goes beyond the Bears. Love baseball, love basketball, love everything. So we said, you know, we work well together. Let's do our own podcast here, and that's what we're doing. So uh, glad to have you guys on board with us. Chris, uh, excited to get this going, my man. I know, man. I know. I mean, we we always talk about the Bears, but it's good to, you know, get a little it's, – it's refreshing, you know, to be able to talk about other things. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to stay in the football conversation for our first topic. And it actually, in a sense, relates to the Bears in a partially negative way. Uh, as everyone knows, the Kansas City Chiefs have signed Patrick Mahomes to a 10-year $477 million deal worth up to $503 million. That's half a billion dollars with those you know, $26 worth of incentives. And Chris is just sitting here laughing, and so am I, because it's the largest sports contract in history. It's the largest NFL contract in history. It's the first time uh, in NFL history that an NFL player has the largest contract in sports history. Usually it's held by the MLB or the NBA. Chris, I mean, what do you make of this record-breaking contract here for a man who I would say deserves it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I there's no way anybody can can say. Um, I mean, that is a whole lot of money. Let me just start off by saying <laughs> that. I think we can all agree yeah. on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I I think it's clear what the Kansas City Chiefs are trying to do. They're trying to lock up, you know, the best player in the league for as long as they possibly could. Um, you know, it, this is a guy who's the best player in the NFL. I would say uh, pretty easily. Um, you know, he's the, he's the number one guy. He's the best player. He's the LeBron James of the NFL. Um, and, you know, the, why would the Chiefs not do this? You know, um, so, yeah, I get it. They're going to you know, there's no way around it. Like they are going to definitely this deal is going to hinder their team, um, you know, for I, I didn't look at the exact details. But I mean, that's a lot of money. There, there's going to be things that, you know, are going to uh, be affected because of this deal but I mean when you're talking about Patrick Mahomes how could you not do it you know so I mean yeah but it like it does if I was a Chiefs fan I mean I don't know if I'd be worried but you you bring up a good point and they haven't exactly released like the percentage of the salary cap that it's going to take up that's going to be released in the next few days or whatever but you look at it, you say all right let's say Tyron Matthew wants an extension next year or in two years he's yeah. not gonna there's no way he's gonna get any type of extension especially the way he's been playing he's deserving of a lot of money people are arguing that he's one of the top three safeties in the league and then you look at uh Tyreek Hill Travis Kelsey I mean there are significant role players on that team who are going to be asking for a lot of money and you look at 500 million dollars and sure that's spread out over 10 years you, you have to imagine the percentage of the salary cap that's going to eat up is going to be a lot oh yeah for sure i mean okay like think about the immediate um effect like okay chris jones one of the best yeah. linemen in the league uh he just asked i believe um like his asking price was right around 20 mil per year there's no way they're going to be able to keep him. Like he, he, in my head, he's hundred percent getting traded before the trade deadline. Um, like, like wow. he's, he's gone from that team just because I highly doubt the chiefs are going to be able to resign him. Um, and in that case, why would you lose him for nothing? You know, might as well try to get something for him. So that's my, that's my bold prediction. Uh, Chris Jones gets traded before the trade deadline. Okay. There you have it, Chris Jones. And that's a big role player for the team. And it, oh, he kind of, yeah. 
He can't change the dynamic of their team because for the past five years, it was Chiefs are great at offense. They're going to make it to the AFC Championship because they're going to score points, but they're never going to get to the promised land because they don't have a defense. 2020 or 2019 rather changed that because they had a great defense and they were able to make plays out there and get stops. But if you lose Chris Jones, let's say you can't give Tyran Matthew the money he wants. I don't know if the Chiefs are going to be stuck and go back to that endless cycle of, look, we have Patrick Mahomes and we're going to put up X amount of points. And sure, that may get us to the playoffs every year, but we may not have the defense to get there year after year because of the money that we're paying our offensive players. Yeah, I mean, like, like I get what you're saying 100%. The, the only thing is, like, there comes the other argument with it. It's like, yeah, I mean, we're going to give up points, but we're going to score more than you, yeah. you know? And, and, I mean, like, think about it. Like, in, in my head, every any weapon that, that you know, any wide receiver, tight end, or running back that, that gets to the Kansas City Chiefs offense is going to flourish. Like, that's kind of how it is to me. So, to me, it doesn't really matter. As long as you have Pat Mahomes there, he's going to make the offense. So, that's how I view it. Do you think this is a lock for Andy Reid to be there for the next 10 years as well? 10 years? I mean, I mean, you, I'm ju- I just say 10 years because that's the Mahomes contract. Yeah, and you well, think yeah. they've worked so well together that they would not want to you know, give up on that, even if things go south in five years or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think saying, saying yes to that question would be kind of premature just because like, sure. it's, it's, it's a, a lot, long time. You know, yeah. It's a long time. And also, you know, let's say somehow the chiefs, you know, within the, somewhere within those 10 years, you know, they're, uh, they have two back-to-back seasons where they missed the playoffs you know that wasn't the expectation I mean you're expecting the Chiefs to make make the playoffs every single year of Mahomes contract would you mm-hmm. not yeah so it's like you know what I mean like you just never know um but yeah I mean there's look there's a risk in doing this like no one can deny that but it's a risk that I'm sure 32 teams would be willing to take so and you don't think there's any type of overpaying scenario here I mean like I mean no no, no. I mean, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. But I, I'm sure there's going to be people out there who are saying, you know, who, who are going to heighten the reasons that we're saying about their salary cap and their, you know, uh, how they can allocate money to different players and different uh, needs for the team. And people are going to hammer that in, especially the, the people in the AFC West, like the Raiders fans and the Broncos fans and the Chargers fans. They're going to find a way to hate on the deal in some sense. And I mean, they're going to have valid points. But at the moment, like if you're looking pure like track right now, Mahomes is on pace to be the second best or the best QB of all time, and that, oh, yeah. that it's not even yeah. a crazy statement. No, no, not at all. And and like just just it's just crazy to me because like Mahomes is he just he literally just makes everyone around him better, and and yeah. that's why like okay if the Chiefs don't give him this deal, like another team is giving him this deal. Let's let's keep yeah. it real. I mean so that that's my thing like. So if the Chiefs didn't do it, another team would, uh, and then everyone would be would be calling the Chiefs stupid, you know. So it's like, there's no, you know, anytime people see a large amount of money, like they're just like, wow, overpay, that's a lot. Like, yeah, but I mean, if that's the market, like that's just what you're gonna have to do. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't you can't try to just cheapskate your way around everything, you know. Does this help or hurt Dak Prescott? Um, and his search for. 35 38 40 million a year you know i i don't see it doing too much really like 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 i i after seeing that deal i didn't think you know this helped or hurt Dak. i I did think of Dak, but in my head it was kind of like okay like 
Dak is next. You know, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to get what Mahomes got. I definitely do not think he's going to get, get that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, a yearly salary of, you know, 35 mil, 30 to 37 mil. I think you could see something, something around that for Dak. I mean, regardless, Patrick Mahomes resets the quarterback market. Just, oh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable just to see these numbers. Like I said earlier, largest contract in sports history through any sport. We're talking about half a billion dollars. One player is making half a billion dollars. When you just think about that, when you just think about it, it is it, it's it's inconceivable. Like it's it, it's I mean, it, it's unbelievable. And yeah. I don't really. I, I tweeted this out earlier, like the man won life, like he just won life, like that's it, like like honestly, like if if that, I mean we're just talking here, we're not analyzing anything, we're just you know just yeah saying stuff, like it's just if I won that type of money, like I don't even know what I would do, I I I don't even think I would be happy just because it's like like what do you do with life now, right? <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's like that's it, like you hit the, you won, you that's it, you're winning. You you don't have to work a day in your life if, you, yeah, if you're a guy it. like us who wins that. Yeah. That's all it takes, man. Guys, uh, just train your kids to be able to throw the ball very far. There you go. That's it. It's the, that's the key to uh, a whole lot of money. And the crazy <laughs> thing is, like, it's not like – I mean, sure, he has $25 million in incentives, but he's got 477 guaranteed. Even if, God forbid, he tears an ACL and is never the same player – He's still That's got four hundred seventy-seven yeah. million dollars, which is crazy because usually, like, like I don't like he's. I think he's getting per year, like one point two five mil to make the AFC Championship, one point two five mil to be the MVP, and one point two five mil to win the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. I mean, th- those are a lot of incentives, but still four hundred seventy-seven guaranteed. Like, you don't see that type of guaranteed money often. I know this is a rare contract, but we're, even like in smaller contracts. You don't see guaranteed money that percentage of the whole contract, bro. Like this, how I'm gonna this how I'm gonna draw it out. Like when I see like these types of contracts in baseball, like you see them more, you know, like ten years and a bunch of bunch of money. And every time it happens in baseball, my reaction is still like that is so much money. Like oh my god, you know. We just saw this in football. Like I don't think people understand how crazy that is. Like that is insane. That is a lot of money. You know, like. This has nothing to do with if he deserves it or not. Like, I just don't think anyone can deny that that is an incredible, like, that, I don't know. That's an obscene amount of money. Let's put it into perspective. In the MLB, Bryce Harper, oh, 13 okay. years, $330 million for 13 years. So you have wow. to you have to take into account the fact that that's three years longer than Mahomes and yeah. $170 million less. Think about baseball versus is football where you know you're getting longevity out of a player like Bryce yeah. Harper because that's a non-risk it, it, from an injury standpoint it's non-risk sport compared to football where yeah. you're getting especially the quarterback position I mean like I mean you can't you can't just sit here and be like well Mahomes could tear his ACL Mahomes could you know do something with his arm you can't sit there and look at it that way but it's just kind of crazy to think about oh yeah like oh just comparing those contracts and I'm going to look up the largest NBA contract I don't yeah, know what I, it is. I, I don't know off the top. I don't even have a guess, to be honest. I think it's uh, could be Steph Curry. Uh, it could. Uh, it might have been Kevin Durant and what he got for the Nets. I'm not exactly sure, but I can guarantee you. Even I mean, super max contracts in the NBA are hovering around 200 million dollars for the most part. I know Dame has a, a super max, um, so I know he's probably up there somewhere. Yeah. Um, who else has a super max off the top? 
Um, I, I no, obviously I know Dane does for obvious reasons, but I just yeah. uh, I'm not too sure off the top of my head who else. I mean, uh, Steph's um, got one, LeBron's got one, KD's got one. I think Kyrie got one. Harden. Harden has to have one. I don't know when he signed his last contract with the Rockets, but you'd have to imagine it's a Supermax. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's it says there's currently 28 players who have a Supermax contract. 20, yeah, see, like, man, like, that's crazy. That's crazy in the NBA because, like, I feel like about about 20 of those guys probably don't deserve it. <laughs> so it's like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Supermax, right. it's, yeah, it's kind of sure. becomes, become so common, it's kind of silly now. It was, I think, when Mike Conley got his Supermax contract with the Grizzlies, that's when I kind of started taking uh, Supermax to a, a different way. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like Mike Conley's a great role player. Sure, that's fine. But Supermax? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would even go as far as saying he was a, he's a, you know, he's a pretty good, he was a pretty good <laughs> point guard, you know? Like, like I would say, like, there, I, I remember at a time, like, Mike Conley was like, you know, he was, I would say a top, I don't know, um, would it be crazy to say he was arguably top five at, at you know, a point? Oh, maybe. I think top ten, but top I don't know 10. about top five. Okay. Yeah, because I remember, man, like, I don't remember the numbers, but that Grizzlies team with him, Gasol, uh, and those guys, like, that that was a, they yeah. a decent squad, you know? Zach yeah. Randolph, yeah, mm-hmm. that was the squad, man. Mm-hmm. That was the squad. They were, I think they were first in the West at that time for a yeah. decent amount of time. Yeah. So... I'll ask you this question before we move on to our next topic. Throughout all sports, not just football, who is the next player deserving of a contract, Any anything near Mahomes? I, uh, if, I'll give you time to think about it because I have my answer already. I'm going to say Giannis because I think I – think, I mean, obviously he's not going to get that much money, but you look at a player like that for the next 10 years who should be the most dominant player in his sport, similar to Patrick Mahomes, I think you have to go Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um. It's tough for me because I have I have two guys. Um, one one is a football player, one is a basketball player. Okay. Uh, should I list one or do I have to pick? Or should I list up? Yeah, go both, 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 both. Okay. Okay. So, in the NFL, I'm gonna guess it's Lamar Jackson. Okay. That's Fair. and and I've actually seen people say that he's gonna make more than Mahomes, which is not. Oh happening. no 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 yeah. no no nope. Yeah, not even close. Um, but he's gonna get I I would say a pretty big contract. And then um, in basketball, I was thinking about Giannis, but I think I'm going to go with Luka Doncic. I think, uh, yeah, I think he's, I mean, he's, in my head, like, he's very similar to Mahomes um, because he kind of had that, uh, you know, there was a lot of questions regarding him coming out, you know, playing overseas, this and that, and look what he's done. You know, a lot of teams regret um, passing up on him. So I think it's it's almost similar in a way. Uh, not that that has anything to do with why he's getting that that contract, but you know, just a side note. Like, I think it's it's funny how he's he's pretty similar to Mahomes. So I think the one thing that is going to vault them into that position is, the, and the reason Mahomes is making five hundred million dollars is because he won a title. So yeah. if if the Bucks come out here, win this title, then there's a larger chance of that happening. Whether it's with the Bucks or another team, uh, if Lamar Jackson wins a title, ne- if, if Lamar Jackson doesn't win the Super Bowl next year. It's like it's like you have to wait. You have to wait. I think because the re- I mean the reason home got this extension is like sure he he dropped fifty touchdowns the year before didn't get that title then he did everything you could possibly imagine yeah. the year after yeah and that's where it's like okay he he's deserving of all this money if if Lamar or Giannis don't get those rings it's a totally different situation yeah yeah and I think that's a very good points too I mean like 
this is a guy who's already won MVP and like you know yeah. af- after he won the Super Bowl it's like he won us everything there is to win like I you know what I mean like that, yeah. the, that's what I'm saying so like there was no really risk involved um, but no I, I that's a very good point with Lamar but if that's I didn't really think about that aspect for like the Luka Doncic argument but like right. if that's the case then then I definitely like take back that Luka Doncic answer because I just I mean they have a good they have a good uh, like core I feel but it, I mean the Mavs are still I'd say you know, kind of far away. I would say he has to win the MVP award for Luka Doncic because I don't think they're winning a title. So he would have to yeah. go out and get an MVP, yeah. which I think is totally tangible oh, next year. It's oh, not yeah. going to happen oh, this year, oh, but that's yeah. totally in. Yeah. That, I mean, this team has to be better, but yes. Yeah, no, no, that's definitely possible. I mean, if that's the thing. Like if there, there has to be like if it's just the MVP, you know, like if that's all it takes for him to get that Supermax, you know, that's very doable. Uh, if you add in the championship, it's a little bit harder, obviously, for the Mavs. But yeah. with Giannis, Giannis, I mean, in that case, I think would definitely have the edge if you're talking championship and, you know, personal awards. Because both him and Lamar have followed that similar track to Patrick Mahomes. Like, you kind of have another, like, well, Patrick Mahomes didn't play his rookie season. Lamar played, like, I think, like, I don't even know how many. He didn't play that many games or, or whatever. And then he goes, yeah. and then they win, an, he wins an MVP his second season. Giannis yeah. played a little bit longer, but then won that NBA uh, MVP. So it's like, okay, uh, you have your early years. MVP, title, Supermax. That, that's literally the track that they're all going yeah. to follow. So we'll have to see. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. We'll have to see. Uh, we're going to move on to our next topic now. And this was especially relevant for us as Bears fans, but it's just relevant as NFL fans because it was a waiting game for any NFL fan seeing, look, Cam Newton's on the market. Where is he going to go? Why is a player who won an MVP four years ago still on the market, still not signed by a team? And Bill Belichick does it again. He comes back around. There's that. There's that gif of him walking out of uh, Ford Field in Detroit <laughs> with the WWE music in the back, and I I, I laugh at it every time. And it's because it's true. I mean, whether it's Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown, I mean, he, he seems to do this with players who have almost seemingly been counted out by the rest of the league. Yeah. He's actually discovered today that no other team really offered him a contract. So yeah. out of the dust comes Bill Belichick. Cam Newton's a Patriot. Your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I mean, man, like the you got to notice these trends. Like you got to notice these trends on about how like the Patriots take chances on, you know, on risky players that that's, that's their thing, but you, you got to think about it and, and, and like really think about the players are taking chances on. Like in my opinion, this may be, this may be a, a hot take, but it's almost like the more good players you have, the better your team is. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, it was such a low risk move too, that it kind of bothers me. It it really bothers me. Like how, how could, you know, there, there are a couple needy, needy quarterback, uh, QB needy teams, um, that, you know, that could have benefited greatly from Cam Newton. Um, and it's, you know, it's no surprise. I, I mean, everybody that saw the headline on Twitter was like, oh, okay, of course. Like, to no one's surprise, it's the Patriots. Like, yeah. come on. People were calling this, like, months ago. So um, <laughs> it's not a surprise that uh, that the Patriots, you know, they've been good forever. I, I don't think it's a coincidence. Uh, you got to really look at these things and, and see why they – and see how they've been so so successful. And this is one of those things, you know, they, they take chances on players and, and, you know, they try to help them out. I help them better themselves and and you know it's it's a two-way street you help them better themselves and they help you win games so um you know bill, bill belichick is the master at that 
This is what good teams do. And you look at the the inside of this contract. So it's one year, can make up to $7.5 million. It's a minimum contract, but loaded with incentives. And this is where it gets really interesting is it shows Cam himself is willing to bet on himself. Now, were the Patriots the only team to give him a contract? Yes. But he, I'm sure in his heart, deep down, he knows, well, I'm a lot more valuable than just $7.5 million. But... You know, he's been in the gym. You've seen the videos of him on Twitter. I mean, this guy's ready to go, and he's ready to, to prove himself. I mean, do we think Cam returns to some type of top 10 and a quarterback form this year? Oh, yeah, for sure. I I mean, my, the floor for him, in my opinion, if he does start, but I think he will, yeah. my floor for him is, is top 15. I, I really uh-huh. think he can. I mean, dude, Cam Newton – he has talent. I, I don't think it's not one of those things where he's a system QB or, you know, he's been banged up. He has been banged up. He has. That's fine. He's been injured. Uh, just like the majority of other players that play football. Football, it's a sport where you're going to get hurt. And, you know, like I, you know, me and you talked about this. If Bill Belichick, the, in my opinion, the greatest, co- uh, the greatest coach of all time, if he says or thinks that Cam Newton is good to go and can play, who the hell is everybody else to say no? Who? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of it's one of those things where you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna doubt Bill Belichick. I'm I'm just not. We're just gonna have to see how it how it plays out, you know. But I think I think this is a great move for the Patriots. Betting against Bill Belichick is is proven to not be the smart yeah. thing to do. Oh, yeah. uh, even if dumb. their team is I, down I twenty eight to three. In the yeah. second half of the Super Bowl, you don't even want to bet on them at yeah. that time either. Oh, so uh, we, we still have people out there on Twitter saying, well, it's not for sure that Cam Newton's going to be the starter. If Jared Stidham walks out onto the field week one uh, with the rest of the starting offense, I, I mean, I, I would I'd be shocked. I'd be absolutely shocked. Now, if, if Stidham somehow comes out in camp and, and, and blows the roof off, then, well, so be it. But at this moment, at this moment, as of June 29th of recording this episode, Cam Newton wearing the number one jersey is going to be out there in Foxborough week one. I can I can almost guarantee that. So uh, it's 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 it was just one of those moves where I was playing basketball with my friends. And my buddy goes, man, Cam Newton side to the Patriots. And I was just like, I just kind of threw my arms up in the air. I was like, well, you know, they do it again. The You know, they yeah. they they, they, they simply do it again. So uh, the it, well, I'll ask you this question now. Who's the best court? Is he the best quarterback in the AFC East? Oh. Easily, easily, easily. I don't. You don't even have to think twice about that. Because okay, he's for sure better than Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen at the peak of his career won't even be better than Cam Newton. That's wow. that's how I have it there. Sam Darnold, in my opinion, is just a bigger Mitch Trubisky. Um, that's. I mean, he also doesn't really have. He really doesn't have. He really didn't have too many weapons. So I'll, I'll give him that excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give him that. I'll, I'll let him. Uh, we, we got to wait and see what happens with Sam Darnold. I'm willing to give him time. Um, and who, who's uh, Tua? Tua Tagovailoa, I mean, we haven't seen it's, much. Uh, much. We haven't seen anything in the NFL. So um, that's kind of – the bar's on the floor, man. The bar's on the floor in the AFC East. Let's be real. <laughs> There's plenty of people who think Josh Allen's the best quarterback in that division. There are, there are plenty of people who think that. And – you know, it's I um, I I have a hard time bashing Josh Allen because he's so much like Mitchell Trubisky, and I feel like if I'm bashing Josh Allen, I'm essentially ba- they're, they're they're almost the same player. I mean, 
like the way their career is trending as well you know slow beginning season a little bit of a better second season and now if he stinks it up in the third season we're looking at Mitch Trubisky's uh exact sibling there so um I think right now you could somewhat safely say Cam Newton's the best quarterback in that division uh would you be putting any money on the Patriots to win the Super Bowl or to to win any uh anything considering the whole team itself I mean I in my opinion because like, people are saying, you know, people are saying that that just vaulted them that back to being Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far yet. Uh, yeah, man, I don't know. In my head, I'm not even sure. I know this is going to sound crazy to say because of how much I've been praising Cam Newton. But, like, I don't even think they're a lot to win the division. Sure. Like, like I really do still think the Bills have a really good shot. I think that defense is phenomenal. Um, you know, they just got Stephon Diggs. Obviously, that speaks for itself. And then, you know, good young running back in Devin Singletary. So, um, you know, if Josh Allen can do what he did last year, uh, I I would probably still give the nod to the Bills. Um, But, um, you know, like you said about about the whole Mitch Trubisky thing, I mean, (laughs) this trending exactly how Mitch Trubisky did, uh, exactly what you said. So um, he's going to have to he's Josh Allen. Josh Allen is the bare minimum is he has to do what he did last year because teams are going to figure him out now. Uh, teams are going to know, you know, his tendencies. And, you know, that's when you got to start. That, that That's your that's your cue to, to start. You know, you got to take it to the next level. Once teams start figuring you're figuring you out, you got to find ways to improve or do things differently. And, you know, the jury's still out on Josh Allen. And their team is almost similar to the Bears and where they have a great Bears. defense. The question of whether their offense can get it done. Uh, I, you know, I have a question for you. Did Antonio Brown ever throw with uh, or, or play catch or do any workouts with Cam Newton in the offseason? I'm, I'm trying to remember because I've seen Antonio Brown on social media. I mean, there's been plenty of videos of him uh, working out with quarterbacks. Now, I just wonder because there's there's speculation that Antonio Brown's going to come back to the league, and and you know you could say you're putting the pieces together by saying, oh, well, if Cam Newton's going to New England, maybe they're going to say, let's try this again and bring back Antonio Brown. And it's it's just fascinating to me because as Bears fans, I have a lot of I have a lot of people on Twitter. I'm sure you've seen this as well, saying, "Well, if you want the Bears to be a better team, why wouldn't you go out and get a guy like Antonio Brown?" And yeah, there's a lot of baggage that comes along with that. But it's just kind of that question of, you know, I mean, this is a guy who's I would say still a you know, still a very talented player. We we don't we don't 100% know. I mean, I you you give me those eyes. I mean, I don't I don't know. You don't no, think he's no. a very talented player anymore? You know, dude, dude, no, I I think he's the second best wide receiver still right now. It's, so you're saying if he comes back week one and you know after the whole year of last year, basically the whole year of not playing, you would say he's the second best wide receiver in the game? Yes. Wow. That's a bold statement. Just off talent, and maybe not production-wise. Maybe he sure. wouldn't put up top two production. But I mean, you're talking about a guy who's a top five wide receiver right now at the very worst, very worst. Still, I mean, I mean, how could you like? Who who's who can you say is hundred times better or, or for sure better? It's it's it. Well, see, this is this is what makes it so hard. I mean, I don't I don't really believe that. What is it like eight months of him being off is really going to affect his game that yeah. much? Let's just say, yeah. well, he he got injured in that sense, and people wouldn't you know say those kind of things if he was just injured for eight months. Exactly. So I'm not gonna make it off that point. But I mean, I look at Julio Jones is better than Antonio Brown, uh, mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, 
and then it and then it kind of gets a little bit iffy once you get to that spot but I, it's just it, it's it's just a question going back to the original question of like you want talented players go get them I mean, is that's are we past the point where you know he he's had his his shenanigans and he's done a lot of negative things in the past and obviously with the six months that have passed people have forgotten about those things and now you can just kind of see him as the talent as he is maybe or is it still hard to see it that way um i don't think people see it that way because he isn't signed because the fact that he's still available i mean this is antonio yeah. I'm talking about like he if it weren't for everything that has happened recently with him outside of football Antonio Brown would be on a team right now. I think that everybody knows that. Um, and, you know, he, he's I, – I truly believe every team that wins needs a little bit of luck. And I want to – a little bit of luck slash uh, needs to take a little bit – needs to take some risks. There, yeah. there ha- You have to take some risks. You have to. I think that's that's just the way you got to – you have to go about it. Um, you, like a guy like Antonio Brown – can you imagine Antonio Brown and Allen Robinson together? And then your third best wide receiver is Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, and then everybody else just drops further down on on the depth chart. It's like, dude, like that's that's scary, man. That 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 alone could change the entire outlook of the offense, in my opinion. And it it, it changes the outlook of a lot of people's offenses. I mean, it's just yeah. it's it's yeah. it's just a it's just a question of you know what comes along with it. And now I don't think he would really damage anything in the locker room. I think it's just it's just one of those things where it's like you get him, okay, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I mean, if he if he goes and screws something up again, well, he's off the team, and you really don't lose much. You, you yeah. don't really lose much of anything from it. So yeah. it, it's exactly. it, and then now for a lot of people, it's a moral question of. You know, do you want a guy with that history to be on your team? And that that that's where a lot of people get confused. It's like, it, you know, can you can you look at it that way, or is it simply just a guy with a heck of a lot of talent still on the board? So I don't I don't know. I, I can't safely say right now he's going to be back into the league week first. But I've just I've seen all these videos. He was I think getting mentored by Primetime. It's obviously a great guy. You would imagine to get mentored by. Um and and he's been putting in the work. It was Dwayne Haskins. That's who he's putting in the work in. He's putting in the work with Dwayne Haskins. So uh, there, there may be a connection there between Antonio Brown and the Redskins. We'll have to see. So um, we will. We will. That would be a smart move for them, uh, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, they're one of those teams where, jeez, oh, we got no talent. We might as well get a guy like that. I mean, yeah. it, it's a little bit different if you have a team with a little bit of talent. But the Washington Redskins are arguably the least talented team as far as pure dude. talent. In, dude, in, dude, in, dude, in, dude, dude. You go to Ohio State. And you're not you're not gonna give any love to Terry McLaurin? Like, is this? Oh, real? okay. No, no, no. I love Terry McLaurin, but I'm I'm not saying he's not a wide receiver one yet. I can't say that. Re- wait, wait, wait. I Hold can't on. say Hold that on. yet. Really? Yeah, it's a little bit really? early. I mean, let's come on. I mean, well, you know, let you me look it up so. right now. What were, what were Terry McLaurin said? Did he even have a thousand yards last year? Uh, I'm not sure if he did, but dude. I think terrible. 919 yards and seven touchdowns. This guy's not. A, could he be a wide receiver one in two years? Yes, but no, I don't think he's wide receiver one yet. I, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's a tricky question because, in my opinion, he could be WR1 as soon as next year. Um, but, I mean, in terms of right now, I guess not really. But keep in mind, I mean, he was playing with what? Uh, what, what were the Redskins? The second worst team in the league? Third? among those yes yeah dude i just blanked out completely yeah so the redskins sucked that's the bottom line they were terrible 
And like this, yeah. 900 yards and seven touchdowns for a rookie on a terrible team with no quarterback. Dwayne Haskins was still learning. Um, and, you know, this guy caught seven touchdowns, 900 yards and seven touchdowns in your rookie year, in my opinion, on a team it's like damn, that is incredible. Yeah, like, it's, it's just, yeah, it's it, it, the thing on Terry McLaurin, the re, like, he doesn't really fit that mold of being a wide receiver one, which is fine. Like, that's, you know, he can, he doesn't, he's, he doesn't fit that, like, he's not flashy. Let's go back to that cover. Like, he's not that flashy guy where you're like, you know, he's just the guy you're going to put on billboards. Like, I don't I don't see him as that guy, and that's fine. He doesn't have yeah. to that guy to be a wide receiver one. It's just, it's, it's just too early for me. I think he's got all the talent in the world. And he, by the fourth game of 2020 he could add the production of being a wide receiver one it's just like it's so hard for me to see it that way because of because he's a rookie and not very often does a guy going to his second year automatically be vaulted into that wide receiver one spot but quite frankly that's what's going to be asked of him this year i mean yeah. he, he's he's going to be playing that role whether he produces to that role is a different question but he will be assigned that role by ron rivera and Dwayne haskins in that offense you know you know who he kind of reminds me of who he he almost reminds me of like a chris godwin like in terms of Chris Godwin slash yeah. Keenan Allen, um, and let me explain why. Keenan Allen um, is one of the best route runners in the league, arguably the best. Uh, and Terry McLaurin's route running is so good, so good. That's his calling card. Yeah. So I mean, that guy, regardless of you know everything else, he's gonna he's gonna find ways to get open. That's that's the biggest thing about great route runners is the bare, at the bare minimum they're gonna get open. And that's one thing about Terry McLaurin. So, it, like, that part of Terry McLaurin, just by itself, I think um, he can easily be a WR1. I mean, you, you find ways to, to get open. I think that's half your half the, the goal, you know? Um, so, and then Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin is uh, – Chris, Chris Godwin reminds, reminds me a little bit – or Terry McLaurin reminds me a little bit of Chris Godwin because uh, Chris Godwin was kind of – is like that same type of player where – um, I'm pretty sure they were both drafted in the second round. Um, mm-hmm. Both not very flashy players, but very, very, very good uh, technique and like everything they do, good hands. Um, and then Chris Godwin, correct me if I'm wrong, broke out in his second year. Um, and, you know, he showed a lot of flashes in his first year. So I, I don't know, like just a lot of Terry McLaurin reminds me of Chris Godwin slash Keenan Allen. Yeah, that was a lot. Sorry if that was all, you know, jumbled up. But, yeah, I just see him. I, I, I really mm-hmm. see Terry McLaurin turning into a WR1 um, and, and being a very, very good player in the future. Like, I, I, I'm very confident in saying that. I feel like the, part of the reason why I think this, too, and this is just kind of made me think of this as a broader idea. I, like, when you think of a wide receiver one, you, I think a lot of people associate that with the players around them in the sense that you look at – Allen Robinson. A lot of the reason people don't think Allen Robinson is wide receiver one is, well, he hasn't really gotten the opportunities. Or maybe I should say not wide receiver one, but like a top 10 wide receiver in the league. Because he hasn't really got the opportunities. But you look at Julio Jones. He's got a top 10 quarterback behind him. You look at Michael Thomas. He's got a top 10 quarterback. DeAndre Hopkins did have a top 10 quarterback. Tyreek Hill. I mean, you look at all those guys. And then you look at Terry McLaurin. And you're like, well, he's got Dwayne Haskins. And yeah, Dwayne Haskins, the, the jury is completely out. I have no idea what kind of player he's going to be. It, it's, it's, it's really hard to tell. But it's just kind of that broader view of like you look at the guys who are left out of that conversation and the guys who just don't get enough credit. The reason that is is because of the players around them. And simply, if the offense is failing, they're not going to give them a lot of credit because as a whole, at the end of the day, it's a team sport, whatever you want to call it. If you're the 29th best offense in the league, even if you're putting 1,300 yards up, people aren't going to give you that full credit. Yeah. And and see, like 
that's why everything I, like my whole like sports debate um what's the what's the word i'm looking for like rule is like just to make sure that everything when you're talking about sports like you got to talk about it like you got to have a balance you know like there's got to be right. a threshold somewhere like because mike evans for example okay mike evans has been putting up top or like right on the cusp of top five numbers for for years now but you know mike evans like now more than before like he gets his respect but it, it seemed like he would just always get left out of top five conversations when he would consistently have top five numbers and like i was guilty of that too and i think that's a great point like teams that aren't good teams that don't have the, the top quarterbacks like a lot of people for some reason just automatically throw that tag of oh he's a he's a stat patter it's all yeah. garbage time like man just because they're losing doesn't necessarily mean it's garbage time <laughs> You know, and that's kind of what sucks about the average NFL fans. Like th- that happens so often. So I'm really happy you brought that up. Well, and th- Mike Evans is the perfect example because yeah. now, now look who look who's his quarterback now. And I, I guarantee you, people are gonna like he's gonna get drafted so much higher in fantasy leagues. People are gonna say oh, yeah. so much more about him simply because it's not Jameis Winston there, but it's Tom Brady. And all of a sudden, they have five primetime games a year. And all of a sudden, he's on national television mossing people for 100 yards a game. And that, that's another point of it, too, is sometimes these guys are just not being seen in front of national audiences, so they don't get credit in that sense. But Mike Evans is a perfect example. Not Wasn't getting enough credit. People were sleeping on him. All of a sudden, you see that Tom Brady's his quarterback. He's on kind of like a flashy, cool team to be on, yeah. and people are starting to talk about him again. Same yeah. with Chris Godwin, right? Same with yeah. Chris Godwin. You, you think if Chris Godwin, if Tom Brady wasn't the quarterback, people would have Chris Godwin in the top 10 wide receivers? Like, probably not. No. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. A lot of people, a lot of people are catapulting uh, Chris Godwin on these wide receiver lists um, because he did break out. So like, I feel like he still would have gotten recognition regardless, just because it sure. was a breakout year. But no, I hundred percent agree. Like with, with what you're saying, like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. If the quarterback was Jameis Winston, do you think they would be? Do you think both of them would be in top ten lists? Because no I don't. Chance. Yeah. No I, chance. I, I don't at all. So like, it's. That's a really, really good point. And, like, for example, if Allen Robinson goes to the Chiefs right now, people would be talking about Allen Robinson as if he's a top yes. five receiver. 100%. Like, that's just, man, that, that's, that's everything that, like, everything I've been saying. Remember what I've been talking about, agendas and, like, you know, like, people people have agendas. They have agendas. And they don't want to, like, they, they push agendas to have people think a certain way because of, you know, it could be, it, it benefits that person or just other reasons. But, you know, people do have agendas, man. And like, if you pay attention to like how people switch up their arguments, like that's a very good point. Like what you brought up. Uh, it's, I mean, the, the fact that you, what you said about, if you just, if you put any player on the Chiefs, yeah. any guy who's like a fringe, like top 10 guy, I mean, you're like, well, you got Patrick Mahomes, so he's a top five receiver. P- think about what people said about Sammy Watkins when he Dude. went to the Chiefs. Dude, I, like Allen Robinson might even be too much. Like put a guy like freaking uh, Robert Woods, put Robert Woods right. on the Chiefs. Yeah. He's, he's getting drafted in the second round of fantasy drafts. Like, oh, I, yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely. You know what I mean? It's just, but like at the same time, like you can't really get mad that people think that way because it does make sense, you know. Like of course people are yeah. gonna know they're gonna recognize the people that are winning more. Like it's just, I don't know. 
like it makes sense it's but it's it's tough it's tough for those players because you look at a guy like Allen Robinson you look at his career and he's like well crap man I got Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky throwing to me and like he probably feels that he hasn't reached his full potential and I'm sure there's yeah. other players who have felt that way and and feel like they're not getting other like like just imagine feeling that you're not getting enough credit because of the players and now again it is a team sport and you can't be you know selfish and egotistical about that and say well I want all the credit because I'm putting up numbers even though my team is losing that's not the way you play sports but it, it is interesting to look at that, that was that was an interesting conversation because it, it's I think it's 100% relevant for Terry McLaurin 100% relevant for Allen Robinson and you know like plenty of other players around the league so like like one more example you're probably going to see Keenan Allen drop a little bit right in, in oh, these yeah. types of lists because oh, yeah. exactly that reason and now it it, it it this could almostly be like simpler than we're even making it seem like well if you have a better quarterback you're going to get the ball more you're going to get better opportunities yeah. but yeah. It, it it does go a little bit beyond that so yeah, uh sure. it's interesting to see but 100 percent a good conversation we're going to switch gears now we're going to talk a little bit nba it's going to feel nice i haven't talked to nba in a long time i uh, haven't really had much to talk about with it anyway but just on air it's been the first time since uh i think like a year i've talked about it and we have a little bit of news to talk about there are some things we can kind of look forward to in July, this is actually what's crazy to me is they're bringing the NBA back, but in July it's going to be like a March Madness style format. So they're going to be playing four games a day. I mean, you understand? I'm going to wake up, eat breakfast, plop myself on the couch, and watch NBA for ten hours, and I can't even tell you how refreshing that's going to be. Sitting on the couch watching sports for ten hours is something I would give probably like a hundred bucks to do right now. Yeah. Probably more than that, a hundred percent. So, um. But just you know, the NBA is coming back, man. How do you feel? Man, I, I'm I'm hyped. I'm hyped. It's something to watch. Um, look, man, it's a touchy subject. Like I really think it is because there's gonna be you're gonna get those people that that don't think it's a good idea to bring it back. But right. um, Adam Silver, I think he came out yesterday or the day before, and he said something along the line. Don't quote me on this because I, I saw it on Twitter, and I'm not 100% sure it's true. But I saw something about him saying that. Um, you know, like they're not going to like he wants people to know that they're not going to go. They're not going to continue this season without people being tested positive. Like it's going to happen. Um, and he was talking about how, um, like, with all that being said, like society still needs sports. Like that's what you know, that's a main mm-hmm. thing that like a big thing that people are missing right now, you know. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of get that argument. Like I get both sides to it, man. I get it. Like it's just this is all so hard. Like this is the first time everybody's going through this. Like, no one knows what to do, you know? Right. So, I, I I mean, like, it's tough for me to, to sit and critique everything. These these um, these um guys, these NBA guys, these NFL guys, you know, are, are, are doing because it's like we're all we're all in the same boat. We're all going through this at the same time. So, um, like you said, though, it's refreshing to get sports back. So hopefully uh, hopefully they can do this in a safe manner and then, uh, you know, really, really get the best out of it. It's all a little bit of trial and error, and I think the thing it that is. people are going to start to have to understand is, you know, it's it to me, it almost seems impossible that you can do this without somebody testing positive. Yeah. Now, they're going to be in the Orlando bubble, but you look at Florida, Florida's, if they were a country, they'd be the worst in the world right now, uh, as far as coronavirus testing, uh, coronavirus cases, so it's... They're going to, to me, every sports league is going to have to figure out a way where, you know, if a guy tests positive, we can't just shut it all down because it's going to be an ongoing cycle. If a guy tests positive, well, you quarantine two weeks, you shut it down. All right, let's go back to playoffs. Two days later, like, that's, to me, it would not be anywhere near well-oiled machine. It would be a disaster. So 
it's going to be interesting to watch. But the teams, the, the way they're doing this playoff format is, you know, I'm kind of a little bit salty about it because they took more teams from the West than they did the East. And if they had taken the same amount of teams from the West and the East, the Bulls actually would have had a chance, yeah. which is astonishing to think about. Uh, that's just how much better the West is than the East Conference and how much that has been true in the past five years. But I, I, wanted, I want you to listen to this. So uh, basically, a lot of NBA executives have come out and said, the NBA is trying to to make it so that Zion plays against the Lakers first round so they can get that Zion-LeBron matchup. And people are comparing it to when Jordan played the Celtics in 86, kind of that passing of the torch, where yeah. when he played the Celtics in 86, it was like, okay, this guy's the real deal. He's the next He's the next guy for the NBA, and people must think about Zion. But the, the reason why this is relevant is they have, uh, uh, for the for the final games of the, of the season, they have the combined records of the teams that they play and yeah. the average winning percentage. The Pelicans have by far the lowest winning, uh, by far the lowest of the teams that they're playing against. You know, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. basically yeah. the winning percentage of the teams they're playing against is 495. Now for the Grizzlies, the team currently in eighth with John Moran, who I think is going to be the rookie of the year, 597. The yeah. Trailblazers, your team, 607. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems to me like they're doing – like they are intentionally trying to make that matchup happen. Yeah. Um, look, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything that'll get me in trouble, man, but like <laughs> it's, it, there's no way all of this is a coincidence. Yeah, no. Um, and look, I don't really, I don't really have too much of a problem with it. Um, one thing I will say though, about the Blazers, just want to throw this out there. The Blazers b- before you know, this whole quarantine thing happened. The Blazers were playing with a depleted team. Like, we, the Blazers had no bigs. We had uh, Hassan Whiteside. Um, we had Anthony Tolliver for some time, who's just been, like, getting veteran minimums for the past, like, three years for teams. And then, like, Nurkic was hurt. Zach Collins was hurt. Rodney Hood uh, tore his ACL and was out for the year. Um, so, I mean, if you get those guys back, I really think the Blazers have a chance to make the playoff. And I think a lot of people are not understanding that the a Blazers-Lakers first-round matchup would be really good, man. Like, if the Blazers are healthy, and I, this is no bias at all. Like, I'm, No, I agree. Speaking, speaking objectively, like, um, we played – when we played the Lakers earlier, I think it was – was it in November? It was in October or November. Um, we – like, the Blazers – Damian Lillard went crazy against the Lakers, which, which made me start thinking, like – I don't know if they have a guy that can guard Dame. I, I really don't think so. And you can say the same about the Blazers and LeBron. But, um, I mean, it's gotten to the point where, like, Le- you're, LeBron's going to do what LeBron's going to do. You're not going to stop him. So um, you just got to have to find ways to overcome that. Um, so, yeah, like, man, I would love to see a Blazers-Lakers first round. I, I really don't think the Pelicans are doing anything against the Lakers. And I'm, no. don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the Blazers are. But I, I think every game would be competitive at the very least. Um, which would be exciting, you know. You're talking about the best, the best team in the West versus the the team that barely made the playoffs. So you're not going to get a great matchup. There are a lot of people who forget that the Blazers were in the Western Conference Finals last year, though. Like yep. that team was in the Western Conference Finals. They didn't do it because they have a super team. They did it because they had timely scoring. They have a guy who's arguably one of the best scorers in the game in Tammy Miller. They play well as a team. Sage McCollum's a great uh, guy in the backcourt as well. And I, they haven't really figured out how to play with Hassan Whiteside, it seems. Yeah, they haven't really reached his full potential with that team. But if you look at the Kings, the Spurs, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, and the Suns, if you're an NBA sports better listening to this podcast, I would 
probably put my money on the Blazers, although they do have the hardest schedule to play uh, with winning percentage of opposing teams at 607, uh, which is almost like one point more than than uh, the Pelicans. I think they're the most talented team. I would say, as far as pure talent. And like you mentioned, the team that would give the Lakers the best chance uh, or, or the best fight in the first round, because although you get the flashy matchup that you can throw a million social media posts about with Zion versus LeBron, you can make all the cool graphics that you want. Unless Brandon Ingram scores 60 points a game, the Pelicans aren't beating the Lakers in the first round. And not saying the Portland Trailblazers are, but I think if the Pelicans play the Lakers, you're probably looking at 4-1, maybe even a sweep. I think the Blazers could take that to game seven. I mean, I don't... Well, I guess... It'd be a five game series, am I right? Or I think it would be. Do they play? Is it seven all the way through? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't know why, dude. I, I, I always Baseball. for some reason. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what it is. That's yeah. exactly what it is. I'm like, wow, you know, early rounds, five games. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think, I think the Blazers could take that to game seven. I, I really do. So sports betters, you know, Any, look smart on. You know, you know what's crazy to me? Like, you talked about, like, the Pelicans and, like, the flashiness. Like, dude, I really think the Blazers are a pretty flashy team. Like, yeah, sure. No, yeah. Like, like, and, you know, that's why, like, I'm, like, I really don't think NBA fans should be disappointed if we get Blazers-Lakers first round. Like, you're talking about, I mean, look, you're talking about, you get to watch, in that series alone, you get to watch LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. Look. It, the whole the whole uh, mellow thing is very interesting because I, I think I remember him saying that he wasn't going to participate. Um, but like I really to the, to the people that said they weren't going to participate. Do you think there's any way they change their minds or do you think it's like locked in? Like I was thinking about that. Like, does that mean, OK, that's it. I'm 100 percent not playing like they, they rule them out for sure or. Like, how does it – I wonder how that works. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, what I would need to know is the rules because what I have a feeling is going to happen is, is you know, they opt out to play. They opt out, and all of a sudden their team is struggling, and they feel like, damn, I can help them, or their team's winning, and they feel like, damn, I want to be a part of that. But yeah. I don't know if it's – if you opt out now, you cannot return, or if it's one of those things where it's just kind of, you know, if you want to come back, you can. If you don't, you stay. Yeah. I mean, I don't – I don't know, but it's uh, – there There are some – I mean, Avery Bradley chose to opt out, and not like he's – a huge role player for the league. He's a role player, but not an impactful player by any sense. But it is interesting to keep an eye on, you know, will more players, because it's like right now you're looking at bench players, you know, opting out, right? But all it takes is one starting player to opt out. That's going to make a lot of other people kind of think, well, if he did that, maybe I will too. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And kind of to piggyback off that, like, like talking about the coronavirus, like, what happens if, if, you know, the season's going well and, um, you know, everything's fine, then all of a sudden, you know, um, let me throw someone out. Uh, Paul George. Paul sure, George tests positive for coronavirus. I mean, I'm pretty sure the, the rule is that, like, they have to self-isolate and, like, uh, quarantine for two weeks. So, like, you're telling me the Clippers are going to play two weeks worth of basketball games without Paul George? Like, that, that, that hinders yeah. the season. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's kind of that that's the so main thing I've been wondering about. Like, what happens if if that happens? What happens if Giannis gets it? What happens if Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James? You know, like these are these are the top guys in the game. You know, um, so yeah, that that's that's what I want to find out. That that's my main my main thing. Ultimately, if that happens or if it doesn't happen, no, whether whether that situation happens or not, does this championship deserve an asterisk next to it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, like, it's, I don't know. Th- this is the thing, like, 
you, you took such a long break that, in my opinion, is basically a new season. Like, you're not going to uh, get the same yeah. results that, that you were getting. Like, I, I 100, I'm 100% confident in saying this. Like, you're not going to get, you're not, there's going to be teams that looked good before that aren't going to look as good and vice versa. I truly do think that. Um, because, look, th- it's been a long time since they last played basketball. That's one. Mm-hmm. Two, um, this isn't like a, this isn't like a regular off season where they're taking a break and, you know, training and doing all that. Like, this is like, this just, that. This coronavirus came and stopped everything, and no one knew what to do. So, I mean, like, I think you're going to have that, like, that variety of, like, players. Some were training more than others. Some were, you know, just sitting playing COD. Like, you get what I'm trying to say? Like, I think that's why you're going to get a, a, a very different, uh, like, you're going to see different results than what you were seeing earlier. That, that's my that's my prediction slash hot take. So that now that you bring it up, could it be kind of like, even like more impactful for the teams that you you would like let's say the i don't know who the current five seed is in either conference like maybe the heat are the five seed in these conferences. i don't know i have to Something look like it up that. but like let's say the heat come out and win like i feel like and i feel like in that sense like it necessarily wouldn't deserve an asterisk because they whatever you want to like put in the work during quarantine really? or whatnot and, and, and i mean i don't know because because it, it that's out of that's that's what's so interesting to me is like you could look at it two ways you can look at it the way you look at it or also you can look at it the way like you know they were thrown adversity but they made the most of this adversity they came out better because of it and, and then you know they won and won a championship now if you I think if here's the way now this might be kind of screwed up the way I'm looking at this but let's say the Bucks or the Lakers win it yeah okay you know those were already two best teams in the league they come back and they take advantage yeah. of the situation but what I'm saying is we've never I mean when was the last time we saw a five seed win the finals i mean it probably i can't i don't know the exact facts but i would probably say more than 10 years so let's say one of those teams comes and wins you have to like i wonder the i wonder if the conversation is this is this is the question i'm, I'm really changing it up right here but this is the ultimate question if a five seed goes and wins the nba finals is the conversation well you know it, because of everything that happened you know it made it easier for them to win or it's a conversation well they took it like they, they made the most of the situation they worked hard as hell they come back and, and won it you know a lot of credit to them i mean are they going to get more or less credit because of that you know what i mean yeah Nora, that that's a good point so th- this is how i look at it like i feel like it would be more of an asterisk if it, if the heat won rather than the bucks or lakers because kind of like what you said like People are going to be like, OK, like this was the team that was probably going to win it before anyway. So, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those yeah. things where they picked up where they left off, whereas the Heat, like you can you can use that argument like, oh, like, look, how, like they were the ones who benefited the most um, from this because look how they were playing before as compared to how they're playing now. You know, um, right. that's kind of how I see it. But but you're not going to get a consensus on this question. You're going to see you're going to find people that on both sides. So uh, I don't think there's a right answer to this at all. Um, but one thing I will say though, like as a general consensus, like, like I really don't think people are going to treat this championship as like the, like, even if you don't want to put an asterisk, like there's still like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, not like, fulfilled. No, it's no not, matter yeah. what, no matter what, even if you want to say there's no asterisk, like it's, it takes away from everything. That's. I think what you're trying to say is, in five years, when you look at like the basketball reference website, there's going to be like a COVID-19 thing yeah. next to it or something. Yeah. That, that's, that just kind of indicates that this season was not normal. Yeah. No. And, and the fact that this is like the first time 
I mean, COVID is happening, like, like, <laughs> or, you know, not even COVID specifically, just something like this, like, I feel like is even more of a reason to put an asterisk because like, no, no one knows how to react. Like everyone's just kind of winging it, you know? Right. Um, and that's, that, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Like and everyone's we'll, winging it. I, I really, yeah. Yeah. And I think the results, I do think to a point, the results of the playoffs are going to kind of strew that conversation one way or the other, you know, yeah. it's like, like we said, you could shake it either way if the Bucks win versus where the Heat win, and it's gonna kind of change the conversation based off of what happens. I would love to. I mean, I gotta say, as as a Bulls fan, we're not in it. I would love to see a lower seed team win. I mean, I, I really would. We yeah, that's my my biggest problem with the NBA versus every other sport is in the NBA, uh, an eight, seven, or six seed will not win the finals in the current state of the NBA. It will not happen because of the super teams that are assembled, just the way the power structure is in the NBA. It, it's I would be shocked if it happened, but because of this situation, maybe it can, and I hope it does. I'm actually going to look at who's the current uh, six, seven, and eight seeds right now and see if it's even possible because, I mean, some of these – I mean, when you look at the, the East, I mean, some of these teams in the East who are the eight seed probably aren't even like above the 500. The Magic are 30 and 35. The Nets are 30 and 34. The 76ers are 39 and 26. So uh, there's kind of uh, a big gap there between six and seven. But I mean, like, I think the Sixers. I mean, I think the Sixers come out and make some noise. I mean, it's yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. interesting. Interesting. Yeah, to say. Yeah. I hope I hope it happens. Like the the Sixers, the, the Sixers are one of those teams where like I feel like some people still wouldn't have been surprised if they made the finals prior to COVID. So like, you know what I mean? Like they're they're yeah, kind of yeah. they, they kind of they're in that tier where like the asterisk is like less needed if yeah, that sure. makes sense yeah. but um yeah like even the sixers like if you had to rank the east teams in terms of like confidence of who will make the finals like you have the bucks for sure one and then i mean i would put the sixers next mm-hmm. like i I, I, mean, I the celtics maybe i would not put the raptors in there as much as I love Nick Nurse and, and the strong players they have on that team, I I like what the Sixers have. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Sixers underperformed this year and they still were 39-26. Yeah. It's just man, like this whole Embiid Ben Simmons thing, like, <laughs> like there's just two, like there's such talent, like based off talent, like there are not many duos more talented than that. Like I honestly believe that. But the thing is, like. I'm, I'm, I've kind of gotten to the point where I believe that they can't play together. Like, they can't they can't succeed uh-huh. together. They can't succeed together. And, look, Kevin, you've known me for a while. I'm a huge Kansas Jayhawks fan, so I have a bias for, for Joel Embiid. Uh, like that. Uh, yeah. I will die for Joel Embiid. Like, if there, if someone slanders Joel Embiid, like, you got to come take it up to me with me first. Like, that, <laughs> that's, how, that's how it goes. But, no, like, all jokes aside, um, you know, Joel Embiid is is arguably the most talented center we have in the game right now. Yeah. Um, like you you can I'm saying arguably okay like you can make arguments. No, I I, I think the majority of the people would agree with that. And then you have Ben Simmons, a guy who likes to he's a pass first, um, very athletic. You know he's not your tradi- he's your traditional point guard, but he's not the traditional size for a point guard. So um, you get that rebounding aspect that a lot of guards don't don't bring to the table. The bottom line for me is that. You cannot, you cannot be a player. Uh, you can, you can't be a superstar if you can't shoot the ball. Ben Simmons, it's not even the fact that he's a bad shooter. He is terrified to shoot the ball, man. 
Like they leave him open. They just they, there's like ten feet yeah. between him and the defender, and he still passes out of it. Like I'm not asking him to become Kyle Korver. Just be respectable to uh, to the point where like you can feed the ball down low to Joel Embiid, and they're not and the paint isn't clogged. You know, like yeah. give him room to operate, and then obviously fix your own game up. If if Ben Simmons figured out a way to improve his shot to like. Dude, I'm talking like even like a little bit below average. Like you're talking a completely different team. Like I, I, I honestly think that the guy's scared to shoot, man. Let me tell you what's gonna happen, Chris. You, you wanna know what's gonna happen? Here's what's gonna happen. The, the first July 31st when they play the first game, Ben Simmons is gonna go eight for eight from three. The past three months, he's just been shooting nine hours a day. Could you imagine? That would be. I mean, let let's be honest. Like if if like if we're talking like as an athlete. Like, if you're Ben Simmons, like, perfect timing. Like, he was already trying to get his shot going. Now, all of a sudden, you have a full day every day for four months of doing nothing but shooting the basketball. I mean, like, is it possible for a guy to change his shot like that? I mean, I I really don't believe in that where a guy can just become a good shooter, but. The only, only, like, counter-argument I have for that is the fact that Ben Simmons, the past two off-seasons, all I saw was Ben Simmons. Uh, all I saw were videos of Ben Simmons making threes in the gym. Then, then the season starts and they're leaving him open. Like there's 20 feet between him and the defender, and this guy's like looking around like who he should pass the ball to. Like, dude, are you kidding me, man? Like that, that is a huge red flag to me. You, that's the only reason why I can't fully like, like I can't fully give in with Ben, ben Simmons. Like I can't fully trust Ben Simmons. That's that's the thing for me. It's just the fact that he doesn't like. I can't even say he isn't he isn't trying to improve because where are all these videos coming from? Like yeah, exactly. Just, I I think it's a mental thing, man. Hundred percent. I, I I truly think it is because there's no way like this dude the dude is terrified. He he's scared to shoot the ball, man. It's it. <laughs> it's a confidence thing. It's a thing. I mean, it like it, it's like Mitch Trubisky, right? I mean, he. Yeah. We've seen the videos of him thrown in the offseason. Exactly. He looks great in exactly. the offseason. He can't do it in the game. It's it's a different yeah. animal when you've got. A seven, a six foot nine guy there in front of you, rather than you're just shooting uh, from a ball in the gym. So I don't know. And I just want to bring up the Western Conference too. I mean, when we're, as we're talking about lower seeds, like potentially making the finals here, the Rockets at 40 and 24. No matter what you say about the chemistry between James Harden and Russell Westbrook, and the fact that they're trying to play this small ball type basketball without a big man, I really don't know why they did that. I, I will have no answers for that, but. I mean, the Rockets, the sixth in the Western Conference, could make a little bit of noise. I mean, like, like, they could make a little bit of noise. You can't Dude. dispute that. Dude, no, no, no. Like, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, I was talking about this with my buddies the other day. Like, out of every out of every team in the West that could have, like, that benefited from this, I don't think anybody benefited more than the Rockets. Let me tell you why. James Harden, I don't know if you remember, James Harden and Russell Russell Westbrook together right before uh, COVID, like this whole quarantine thing. Russell Westbrook, like a month prior to that, like for a whole month, Russell Westbrook was maybe even more than a month. Russell Westbrook was was the guy for the Rockets. It was not James Harden. And, you know, I was watching some James Harden highlights um, like during that month. Um, but I was watching it like, like a couple weeks ago. I watched the, that set of highlights from back then. And I was looking at James Harden. I was really watching him play, and he just looked so sluggish, man. Like, and his his numbers during those games like reflected that. 
And um, I was really thinking about it. I'm like, man, can you imagine Russell Westbrook plays like it was playing like how he how he was before this? And then James Harden like is like rejuvenated and, and returns to like that that MVP form that he is like, man, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say it, but I don't know. And like, that's a team. That's a dangerous. That's a dangerous squad. It is, I mean, yeah, like it, it is dangerous, but it's like it, they have to they have to get lucky in the sense where if they don't shoot the three well, they're they're not gonna win a game. Like that, it really comes down to that. Like they'll come out yeah. here one night and shoot like ten for fifty, like literally those numbers, and yeah. the next night they'll come out and and shoot thirty threes and make them. And it's that's literally, I mean, they they ride or die on the on the three ball, and yeah. that that's yeah. really what it comes down to. For them and it's just I mean they have so much talent where it's like I don't know maybe maybe if they go on a hot streak and all of a sudden they're they're shooting ball real all of a sudden they're playing well together and that power structure really isn't as fractured as we thought between yeah. uh between Harden and Westbrook and and all of a sudden the Rockets are there in the finals I mean if that happened I, I wouldn't be sitting here saying wow yeah yeah no that that's that's kind of where I'm at with it like the Rockets wouldn't be my pick to win, but if they did, like, I'm not going to be surprised at all. Like, I mean, yeah. you talk about Russell Westbrook, James Harden together. Like, the only the only question with that is it's not it's not about if those guys are good enough to, to win a championship. Nah. It's about if they can, you know, coexist. Like, I feel like that's always been kind of the, the, the thing because, you know, Westbrook's gotten this rep mainly after KD left the Thunder that, you know, he was this shot chucker that, like, <laughs> just, just didn't give uh, KD enough touches, which I don't know how much I agree with that. Like, Westbrook can have his bonehead moments, but, like, man, that's a that's a talented player, man. That's a very talented player, one of the best in the league. Um, so, yeah, it's just a question of if him and James Harden can coexist. Um, and then, you know, if they can, if they can survive with that small ball. Yeah, and... Gotta get maybe they get hot and maybe it happens. We'll have yeah. to see. Um, and and one last thing, Jared Smith was signed to the Lakers. This is uh, oh man, I mean I I like I understand why it happened. LeBron is in the ear of the GM saying, "Bring me my boy Jr." But man, I just feel like he's gonna find some way to screw it up. I just have that feeling. Look, Jr. Smith, you're gonna you're gonna laugh at me right now. I swear to God, I have always loved Jr. Smith as a player. I'm not kidding you. Like. Like, Whoa! No, no, prime J.R. Smith. Come on, prime J.R. Smith was not just a shooter. He was athletic. J.R. Smith. Or, yeah, like like prime yeah. like Nuggets Nuggets J.R. Smith. Like this oh, dude like, would do mm-hmm. this dude would do like 360 layups. I'm like, dude, what is going on here? Like it was entertaining, man. Like I don't know, um, but no, but dude, J.R. Smith right now, like all I'm gonna say is this: there's no way the Lakers signed uh, J.R. Smith. And it wasn't fully because of LeBron. Okay. So LeBron was 100% the reason that signing happened. So I just want to say this to all the LeBron fans. Okay. You cannot use J.R. Smith as an excuse of why the Lakers didn't win because LeBron wanted it. So yeah. that's it. Like that, that's, that's all there is to that. J.R. Smith. I mean, it's LeBron, it's LeBron's choosing. He, he wanted this. So he can't complain if he comes out and starts shooting three for 17 exactly right because everyone's gonna be so quick to put the blame on him but at the end of the day there's one man who really ultimately made that decision happen and that's lebron so you gotta point back to that in the event that jerry smith stinks it up which he very well may i mean we don't know (laughs) we don't know remains to be seen so we're gonna uh move to baseball here before we wrap up we've been we've been going for a while and and this is 
you know, baseball's returning, 60-game season. Uh, it should be interesting. People will watch. But it, it raised a bigger question for us than just, you know, who's going to win the World Series. It was, you know, as this whole feud, you could say it was between the players and the owners continued. I mean, there were lots of people on national media outlets, radio outlets. I mean, everyone was saying the one question was, if the baseball season didn't happen, would you even care? And there was an alarming number of people who said, and I wouldn't care, coming from people who really love the game of baseball. So it kind of just brought us back to this question of, you know, what is the state of baseball when it comes to their relationship with the fans, when it comes to how much people like the sport, how much people care about the sport? Because from what we saw from the reaction of this whole, you know, two-month feud between the where we didn't know what was going to happen with baseball, people weren't, like, going to be devastated. If it, whereas if the NBA didn't happen, people yeah. would have people would not know about what they've done. It'd be riots on the streets. People same with the NFL. But when it comes to the MLB, people just don't care as much. Chris, what what is the state of the MLB in that sense? Yeah, like for I can only speak for myself, like regarding this. But if the baseball season, if they said, if they told us right now that it wasn't going to happen, I would be upset for like maybe an hour. And then I'd probably forget about it. But if you're talking about um, if the NFL came out and said that the season wasn't happening, they they canceled that. That's a completely different thing to me. Like, and and you know, I didn't really realize that until you brought it up earlier because I was thinking about this whole like, would I care? Like while this was happening, like leading up to this past month, um, same exact thing. Like I was like, man, like would I really care? And I was thinking about it. I'm like, I don't think I would. I really don't think I would. And the main thing for me is I think a, a lot of people are just they don't everything's too long. The season is too long in a lot of people's opinion. The games take too long. Um, and, you know, it's just I just don't think baseball is as appealing as it was. Uh, you know, a lot of like a lot of people, a lot a lot of old baseball fans want to, you know, the, the tradition is very important to the game. They don't like yeah. They don't like bat flipping. They don't like, um, you know, showboating. They don't like all this stuff that, you know, the younger generation loves it. They, they love that. It's entertaining. You know, people want to see that. Um, and, you know, it, there's just like a huge like uh, what's the like a huge divide between like I feel like the younger generation and the older generation when it comes to baseball. Uh-huh. So why do you why do you think the NBA is so successful? I mean, well, yeah. like, yeah. why do you think it's successful among young people is because yeah. that is the way they brand the sport. It's popular among young people. They do it that way. The NFL is great because it, it really tailors to everybody. I mean, there's yeah. but when it yeah. comes to baseball, like, I don't know if it's the fact that the league is afraid to kind of just make it a league of bat flips and more fun. But I mean, it just, yeah. you know, this is, it's, it's no surprise. It's no shock to everyone that baseball is just not the most fun sport to watch. And I don't know yeah. if that's at the hands of the players, but when you think baseball, you don't think fun. You, you don't think, you don't think full entertainment. When you yeah. think NFL, when you think NBA, you think entertainment. Like, yeah. you know, like when you turn on the television, like you are going to be entertained by yeah. what's on the TV screen, mm-hmm. whether it's the worst teams playing in the league or the best two. I could care less if the Marlins play the the Diamondbacks yeah. at 2 p.m. Yeah. on Friday. I really could care less. Whereas I would watch the Titans play against the Colts at any given day. And yeah. I don't. And and this is what we talked about too. Is like this is not an easy fix. Like this is not just one of those things where we can say, oh, if if they do X things in the next five years, they can bring the sport back. I I I almost think it's fractured forever. 
You really think so? Wow. I mean, it's just, I mean, how telling is it that not just young people, like it's not just me and you who are saying, well, if the season didn't yeah. happen, I wouldn't care. We're talking about people like my dad, for example. I'm yeah. sure your dad watching baseball their whole lives, baseball guys. I mean, you know, they've been fans of the Cubs and, and whatnot. And same reaction. Oh, if the season didn't happen, I mean, I'm, I'm not yeah. shaking to the core. And yeah. that's where, like, that is worrisome. If you're oh, the if you're oh, the league, yeah. see that every single basically every single uh, age group really feels that same way. Unless you're a diehard, unless you're a diehard diehard baseball fan, yeah. which they are out there. But we're talking about average fans here, and the average fan at this point really just isn't that invested. Yeah, L- let me ask you something. Is it to me? It almost seems this way, but but let me let me know if you disagree. Like it almost seems like the only people that that like feel felt strongly about um, if baseball were to return or not, were like people that if you were to ask them what's your favorite sport would say baseball, anybody that doesn't have baseball as their top sport, I feel like started caring less and less, which in my opinion, like you said, is a pretty big problem. So, I mean, like the, the only way I think they can, they can try like just try to fix it is, is shortening the season. Um, I don't know how necessarily you can, uh, shorten the games like i mean i don't think like changing the the amount of innings i feel like is too far um the yeah, only thing yeah. yeah the only thing i can think of is maybe like like accelerating the what is it like the pitch clock i believe it is yeah and they yeah, tried like, that it's, huh yeah yeah they've and that's that. the thing that's the thing like they did that and it still feels like it's too slow i mean like what else can they do it's it's i don't know man like and people are, are, you know, we talked about this earlier. Like, people are starting to blame Mike Trout now. Like, if if Mike Trout, um, like if Mike Trout being good enough is not enough to to spread the sport, then then that's a problem, you know. Um, so like, man, when you said that you felt like baseball was fractured forever, like just a couple minutes ago, I was like, damn, that's a crazy take. But now that I'm thinking about it, like, it's it's been like this. It's been on like a downward decline for like. For how long? Like, I feel like it's been over five years, for sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. And the statistics show that when you look at the TV ratings and whatnot. And and, and, and I will say they've tried. I mean, they've done, you know, the Players Weekend where you can put the cool nicknames on the back. And, and yeah. now they're starting to post more TikToks and whatnot of Tim Anderson bat flipping the thing 30 feet and all this. But it's just, I, I don't know. And when it comes to Mike Trout, I mean, if you're blaming Mike Trout, that's ridiculous because you can't change a man you can't just say Mike Trout be more outgoing you can't change the personality of a man I mean yeah, this guy's I mean, this guy as a player is the entertainment you're looking for I mean he goes out there yeah. and and he's he's one of the greatest players we've ever seen every night you can't just ask him to say funny things on camera for the yeah. you know what I mean like like personally like you know we, we just talked about we wouldn't care about um you know if they were if the season were to be canceled if I'm if the Cubs aren't playing and it's like a it's like 7 p.m on like a Thursday night and I'm looking for something to watch if there's like three different games, I'm picking the Angels games, uh, the Angels game just to watch Mike Trout. That's me personally, and I'm not wow. even saying that. Like I, yeah, I would do that. I really would. And 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 that's why like, like that you you said it earlier about how you feel like he could do a better job of of trying to market it and market himself maybe, but like fully blaming him for something that existed way before he was even there, like it's uh, that's ridiculous. Like that that's pretty crazy. Yeah, you, you can't fully blame him. Obviously, the MLB would have to has to do more when it comes to their end. But like, like we live in a social media age, and we live in a media age now. And, and you look at like what like simply Tom Brady coming to Twitter has I feel like has done a lot for the NFL. Like like 
has mm-hmm. done a lot for the and you like this is why the NBA is so successful among young people is because they they do very well on social media. The players are interacting. The players are doing all this and all that and and people. It's a culture thing, right? It's a culture thing that there's just. There's no culture association yeah. with baseball. There's yeah. no culture association with baseball. But the only, you want to know what the closest thing is to the culture association? What? It's the bat flip. It's, it's, it's yeah. literally the bat flip. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I can't definitively say they're shooting that down or they're trying to promote that. I don't know where they're at with that. But it's they, they – I mean I think you go back to like the traditionalist part of it. Well, we want to tailor to the old fans. You have to you, – you just have to – try to you have to tailor to the young fans i mean that's literally that's that's people aren't gonna stop watching baseball because a guy bats bat flips like people aren't gonna stop watching baseball because of that but the people would start watching baseball if there were a few more like young people would start watching baseball if there were a few more things like that i don't know that's my take on it yeah no no i mean that's that's a great take like like that's a very good point as well about how like you know the whole deshaun watson thing you remember um you remember the whole uh, thing about like Deshaun Watson saying the Bears like never talked to him or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you remember like, do you remember how much just that one tweet flipped Bears Twitter upside down? And me and you, the first thing we said, do you remember what we said? We're like the Bears players are gonna be uh, are gonna be remembering that, you know? And then now yeah. now there's added weight to that game just because of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like exactly. it's deeper than it's deeper than just the the X's and O's now, and that's and 100 percent agree with what you're saying about that in baseball. And like, I don't know how they can they can work on that. I mean, what do you do? You tell the players like tweet more, like you know what I mean? Like it's like I don't know. It's and that's tough. why I say it's fractured. That's why I say it's fractured. Is it's not an easy fix. You can't just tell the players to tweet more. You no matter what you do on the socials, like yeah, that's gonna help and 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 tailoring to the young fans and all that. It's gonna help, but. You, I, don't, I, I don't, I myself would have an answer to it, but it's, it's just, it's an observation. And it's a concerning yeah. observation because, and you know, it just, it, people, yeah, go ahead. No, no, my, my, I'm so sorry to cut you off. Go no, ahead. no, no, I'm I just, just, I'm just saying people like, you didn't really think about it. Like when you didn't think about the MLB like that until now. And it's like, you didn't think about what it meant to you personally. Like you kind of felt like what it meant to, you know, oh, the NBA, the MLB is on 162 games. Like, yeah, it's cool. Like it's sports. And I think another thing about it too. Uh, let me get this straight because this 100% like kind of misconstrues the whole con- conversation. Well, is that getting them to be back like isn't that significant now? Because the because the NBA is going to be playing at the same time as the MLB. It's yeah. kind of a different conversation if the MLB was to come back and there was no other sports. Like in that sense, of it, yeah, the MLB is always going to be coming yeah. back, which is good because there's no other sports. And I'm just dying to watch sports. Yeah. But so that that is an interest. That is kind of like doesn't make it easier for them to be the fact that they have to compete with the NBA every night now. Like they have to compete with the yeah. NBA. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's even worse for them. That's not good. That, that is not good. Like you're talking about people already not caring. And then you have a more dominant sport in our culture coming back. <laughs> I mean, that that's bad news. And just one more thing um, before I forget, my dad always says this. He always, always says this. And like, it's funny now that, like, thinking about all these conversations, like, he used to always say, like, baseball's dying. Baseball's dying. I'm like, yeah, like, it, it probably is. But, you know, like, it's still nowhere close to being completely dead. And my dad would be like, I think it's closer than you think. And then, like, he would break it down. He would be like, go to Wrigley at 120 on a, on a Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon, 120, Cubs and Rockies, let's say. 
My dad's like, you go and you look at like the majority of the fans in there. Everybody there is drinking. Okay. My dad told me, my dad told me, he goes, he goes, Wrigley Field is just a daytime bar. That's a million, that's the, that's the most accurate thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And then I was thinking, I'm like, man, like people come, people go to Cubs games to socialize. Like, let's be real. Let's be real. How many people have you seen that go there like, hey, like, uh, let's go to the Cubs game and drink. Like, bro, what? Like, no one cares about the sport, man. It's more, it's become like a hangout almost like, like, yeah, baseball. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, like, I know that's not that's not only the case with the Cubs. Like, that's baseball in general. But, like, yeah. you notice it a lot more with the Cubs. Maybe it's just because we're Cubs fans. But, like, that's one thing that, like, I think about my dad saying all the time. Now I'm like, dude, like, that's true, man. Like, no one really watches. Like, it's just how it is. No, it, it, like, we were saying, we were kind of talking about, like, the average fan, right? And, and you know, serious baseball fans are all in on the sport and all that. And we'd say, well, the average fan isn't really going to turn on a game in the nighttime. And, like, they'll just go yeah. watch a movie once it hits the commercial break. But then it's, like, it's kind of interesting to look at the other way now. It's, like, average fans kind of just go to the game, but they don't yeah. really go to the game for the game. Like, they go to the game yeah. because, like, it, it, it's different because Wrigley Field is the best field in baseball and it's in Wrigleyville yeah. neighborhood and that's already kind of like a, a vibrant neighborhood and, and all of that going for it. But you, you, I, f- yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you see 50 foot long cup snakes at Wrigley field and you, you won't ever find one of those a soldier. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's, I don't know. It, it's just, it's crazy. Like I, that's the only sport where I feel like that happens. Like you go to a hockey game, people are watching the game. You go to a football game, people are watching the game, basketball, watching the game. I mean, like, you know, it's it's almost like it reminds me of uh, it kind of reminds me of the UFC. Do you watch the UFC at all? A little bit, yeah. Okay, because like UFC, like let's be real, the majority of their of the fans in that stadium are just filthy rich people that go there, there for just, clout. Yeah, yeah, that, that are just there because like, bro, I can be like, why not? <laughs> you yeah. know, like that's kind of like that's almost kind of like what baseball's turning into. Like tickets are cheap. There's drinks. There's people. Other Cubs fans like me. Um, you know, and you, you get a couple of your friends to go. It's a no brainer, man. Like you're paying what to send the bleachers, like 20 to $30. Yeah. Like, you know Very what I mean? Again, it's, yeah. it's, it's, that's the thing. Like baseball's become, um, you know, it's a hangout. Yeah. It's a, it's a hangout and, and it's, it's damaging to the sport. It's, and, sure. and we're talking about like Wrigley field, the field that's packed at pretty much exactly. every game. You exactly. look at any, you look at guaranteed rate, for example, on the yeah. south side of Chicago. I mean, I, we've seen the jokes. I don't know if you've seen these jokes, and they're talking, well, if the stadiums are going to have 20% capacity and all that, people are saying, oh, guaranteed rate's already 20% capacity without the, without the <laughs> oh, regulations. I mean, it's, I don't know. And uh, I, it's, 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 it's concerning for baseball. It, it really is. And, and this whole, it kind of just puts a different perspective on it, looking at it this way, because people yeah. really wouldn't have thought of this perspective until this happened and realized, yeah. you know, the average fan. I mean, the average fan wouldn't really have thought of this perspective and said, you know what? You know, if baseball didn't happen. I personally wouldn't be effective and affected. Yeah. And, and that's where you look at the NFL and you look at the NBA and we talk about, I mean, we're diehard fans for those sports. But mm-hmm. if you're an average NFL fan, I mean, even those people are probably shook to the core if the NFL is canceled, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, it's, sure. it's like, damn, what yeah. do I do on Sundays now? So yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. uh, it's going to be interesting to monitor and, and we'll see how they do competing with the NBA. We'll see how that, that ha- happens. And if their ratings go down significantly, would I be surprised? Absolutely not. No. So, um, well, we will see, this was the first episode of our brand new podcast, Chris and I, 
uh, doing this together. It was a lot of fun, man. I mean, I, I think this is going to be cool for uh, what we, I mean, we don't know how long it's going to go for. But we're going to do it. We're going to try to make it a weekly thing, uh, yeah. we hope. I mean, right now, not a lot of news, but, uh, you know, things happen. Cam Newton to the Patriots, stuff like that happens. So um, we'll keep you guys posted. Thanks for listening. Uh, Take care. Stay safe. And we'll see you next week.